Hi guys, welcome to Bottled Up Blokes Open Up Podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you use to help us grow and help to remove the stigma around men and mental health. During this pod we discuss sensitive matters such as addictions, mental health and suicide. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Timothy, welcome. Hello, mate. You all right? Yes, you. Good. Yeah, really good, actually. Really, it's really good. Few, it's been a few days since we since we spoke. Yes, it has, mate. Yeah. It's been, What's been uh, going on? It's been very eventful. Off the back of Mental Health Awareness Week, I had an absolutely belting week, week to be honest. I was dead happy We are it went. Obviously, we had our, our little bits that we did, like the podcast. We recorded a, few, a couple of bits and bobs for that. I did the thing at work with the Q&A on the Zoom, which I was absolutely papping my pants for, because that's just so far out of my comfort zone. Yeah, so did that. The... I did a post at work as well, just did, discussing. Cool. Yeah, it was all right. Just as part of, we had Andy's Man Club in the morning, which is obviously a great, a great group to support, lots of support networks yeah. around the country that, that they can offer for men. I did a post in the afternoon just saying what it means to me and what this has been like and the group and the podcast and just you know, if anyone's struggling come and get at us or you know there's, there's plenty of people like there's plenty of groups like this out there you know people just need to be comfortable taking advantage of them which you know we've seen this week you know a guy put a, a message on the group saying i need help i need a chat and you know he had within 10 minutes or 10 people offering this offering an ear yeah so it's about in it it's magic isn't it that's exactly what the whole the whole thing's set up for Someone yeah. who might feel lonely, might not have anyone to talk to, might not feel comfortable properly talking to friends and family in a little anonymous group, pops himself in, I need a chat, you know, gets a little bit of an arm around the shoulder and a bit Absolutely. of support. So. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, we, also, we also got filmed, didn't we? We did a, yeah. a, a yeah. little Board, interview. Borderline movie stars. Well, I have a... We're like, we're like Tango and Cash. Welcome <laughs> and Wise. More like Barry and Paul. <laughs> the best bit so, was when uh, he made us walk towards him, talking, <laughs> and we just looked at each other going, what the bloody hell are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very uh, thoughtful conversation, was it? It was just like, this is just what's happening. Yeah. No so, but, yeah, no it was idea. good. So we'll be on Bowls Over TV. It's a, I presume it's a, a web-based TV channel, so that'd be good to get some... Yeah. He also said that um, we'll be on some billboards around Bowls over constituency as well. Which is good. He said the um, the local council, the leader of the council, wants to put some effort in supporting local groups like ours. Mm. So that'd be good. Yeah. Just to get the message out because, as we always say, you know, if we can help or resonate with one person to help them out or to give them a pat on the back arm around the shoulder whatever whatever they might need at that particular time that's what it's about and if the more people that see that you know we, we've yeah. got lots of you know you're fantastic at networking you've got a lot of relationships with a lot of different groups and stuff so just need to keep the keep the momentum going yeah we finished the last podcast with it was gav part one really interesting story we've mentioned it in the last one we have got a couple a couple of people lined up people within the group people external to the group we just want to hear as many stories as possible. So if you have a story, whether it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's whether you just want to come on and share about, about your life and how you felt throughout it, you know, 
let us know. You've got the Facebook group, Twitter, Bottled Up Blokes, both of them. And let us know. We'll get you on. Yep, definitely will, mate. Yeah. Gav's story, what, yeah. a, what a start. Yeah, that first part, it just, some of it, like, in mind-blowing, wasn't it? Difficult, I mean, difficult childhood. Yeah. Difficult circumstance. Which is quite a bit what, you know, that causes quite a bit of mental health problems. It, it, things were happening in your childhood that you try and yeah. lock and hide away. Yeah. And he definitely had troubled childhood, didn't he, with the stuff that he had to go through. Yeah, and then he uh, found a crossroads in his life and found himself in a flipping military career centre. And a few weeks later, he's in the RF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk about taking a bit of a crazy step. That's that's one way to go, isn't it? Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Yeah. Yeah, more bollocks than me with something like that. Yeah, 12 years as well, he does. 12 years. It's a long time, isn't it? Big chunk it's of your life. Big chunk of, yeah. And it's actual third of my life. Yeah. You're only a baby, I suppose, aren't you? You know, because I'm all of one year older than you. If that. Yeah. <laughs> one school year. It's all about school years, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you never get out of that, do you? A couple of years younger than me at school. <laughs> year above me at school. <laughs> Even people that you don't actually know, if you ever talked about age and like if I went up to one and say, I already only say 37, oh, a couple of years, a couple of school years older than me. <laughs> Every fucking time. Every time. Yeah, but some really good stories about his military career and some terrible stuff as well that, that obviously you see when you're in those environments and, and you know, he didn't go into yeah. massive detail, but you know, you could see listening to him that you know it's a tough a tough thing to recount. Yeah, to recall. Means, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, leading to a, a random job offer in Dubai. Not bad, eh? And uh, five, was it five years in Dubai? Five years, yeah. Five so, years, yeah, so this contract before. was five years. Yeah. Not bad, is it? It's well travelled. Well, yeah, lad's seen some, uh, lad's had some stamps in passport, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, leading on to obviously this part, which takes probably a more serious turn personally for him yeah definitely yeah definitely some some discussing some of his demons within there and you know it's good that he was able to open up to us and obviously that's what we want people to be able to open up so if you listen if you're listening we've said it if you need it we're there for you people are there for you don't suffer in silence lads it's you know all, all ladies everybody you know don't don't let things get on top before it's too late so Without further yeah. ado, we'll get into part two, shall we? Let's go for it. I guess this I guess this is actually the start of where we're at now, isn't it? You moving back to the UK. A bit of a loss, I think, with the words you used. Tell us about that when you came back. So yeah, so we came back. I when well, I need to need to go back. When I was out in Dubai, I'd be trained to become a scuba diving instructor. Yeah. So my intention when we came back was to run my own business which I tried to set up, but I found that the water was too cold for me, so that, did, that didn't last long. Yeah, it's not like bath water in England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty brown as well. Yeah. So I went to work at one of my local pubs where my friend, that my friend owns, stayed there for a bit um, and then decided to apply for an HCA job because we needed a bit more money than what I was on. 
Oh, oh what? Sorry, HCA healthcare system. Yeah, so yeah. healthcare assistant. Yeah. And I got that with an aid local agency. Yeah. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I worked at a fren- forensic hospital, so it was young adults that had been convicted but had mental health difficulties. Yeah. Uh, they've been convicted for a lot of reasons: robbery, murder, rape, all kind of kind of stuff. Yeah. To my surprise, I found that I enjoyed working there, working, doing all the rehabilitation and kind of stuff like that. Yeah. But then it got a bit further into it and I decided that nursing might benefit me. And luckily, uh, the NHS had a a bursary scheme at the time. Yeah. And it it was probably for the wrong reason at the time. So I decided to do my nursing studies at uni. Um, because the bursary that I would have got was more than I was earning as an aged care uh, healthcare assistant. Yeah, makes sense, mate. Yeah, so smart move. I thought, yeah, oh, this sounds a bit cushy. I can go to uni, toss it off for three years, have some cash. Um, yeah, you can go to pressures. Yeah. <laughs> In your thirties, looks great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I went to uni and did that. And after I finished my nursing, I got a job with the uh, NHS. As a what did you do? Nurse. Your um, I remember you saying something about what did you do your dissertation on? Was it? It was. It was on the um, mental health of veterans on returning to civilian service. Yeah. The reintegration. Interesting. That's something that something that obviously you'd gone through yourself. Yes, absolutely. And because of that. <laughs> I did a presentation at the International Nursing Conference in, uh, I want to say Liverpool, not Liverpool. I can't remember where it was off the top of my head, but a big, massive conference. I did um, a presentation on it because of my dissertation and got a lot of support from that. So, yeah, so how was that doing a, doing a big speech on a bit of bit work that you'd done? I was actually quite confident because I'd, I'd been practicing it. I was surprised because normally I get really nervous talking in front of large crowds. But yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Got a lot of positive feedback because one of the things that we did is pretty much like your bottled up bloke groups is when I was a student nurse, we started setting up a veterans breakfast club, which was normally held at Weatherspoons. <laughs> yeah. Common theme. <laughs> Booze. Yeah. Cheap breakfast, though. Yeah. So the presentation that I'd done, I got invited to Portugal to do that presentation again, which I did. That's good. That's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it was quite a good journey through nursing. I really enjoyed it, being a student nurse. Yeah. At that point, then, you were a qualified mental health nurse. I was. After that, didn't you then look at doing a master's? I did think about doing a master's, <laughs> but my wife said no more time at university. Get to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time to earn to some money. <laughs> yeah. So you moved into Knott's Healthcare, working on a, on a mental health ward? Yeah, it was a psychiatric intensive care unit. Yeah, right. So a lot of kids that had self-harm or just emotionally unstable. Um, it was a mixed ward. So I did I did a couple of months there and then I moved to, I got a new job in the community working for young adults, 
not young adults, sorry, children, just caring for them in the community, try and support them. Yeah. That they wouldn't end up in hospital. I mean, just right. just talking about it, it sounds like a, a tough gig. Definitely. Working with, you know, vulnerable children who are struggling with mental health, seeing that kind of thing must have been... I mean, this is this is quite recent, wasn't it? Like in, in timeline-wise, this is not not that many moons ago when you started out in this path, is it? No, this is um, the end of last year that I finished that job. Actually, so I was working there for a couple of years. Yeah, we're a group trying to support people with mental health. We we don't claim to offer advice because we're not obviously qualified to, but uh, qualified to do so. You know, we offer advice, uh, we offer support and guidance of things we know about more than anything, but. From your perspective, you're living and breathing mental health. How difficult is it to be in that environment? It can be quite stressful. So there's sometimes that I come home to just say I need, well, I wouldn't even come home actually. Sometimes I'm put, I'd pull up on the drive home and just give myself half an hour to give myself some headspace. Yeah. yeah. Or I would come home and say, please don't talk to me for a bit. I just, I just need some quiet time. Yeah, it yeah. must be difficult to leave that shit at the door. Yeah. Snake us all, all you want, you know, you come in and what's the first thing you ask someone that comes in from work? Yeah. How's yeah. your day been? How are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're working in the community sometimes because it would play on my mind so much. I would get my laptop out after my own kids had gone to bed and start writing notes up and stuff like that. I mean, my wife was fine with it, but it got to a point where we need to sit and just watch telly and have our space. Yeah. yeah. But then I was always thinking, then I've got to do it tomorrow as pressure because I've got to go and see other people. And I, I, we have quite regular supervision. And so we talk about our caseloads. So the caseloads are the young people that we see. So we call that a caseload, each one, just to make sure that we are doing the right kind of care. So we, we, we did used to work as a team. It also got, because I had quite a lot of uh, young people on my caseload, I'd be thinking on a drive, oh, what was their kind of care plan? What was going off with them? And it got to a bit where everyone became muddled. Yeah, it must be tough, mate. Loved working with the young people. I mean, sometimes we'd spend, because we would do an hour session each, sometimes only 10 minutes. 10 minutes of it would be therapy and another the other the other time them just wanting to talk about xbox and stuff like that so and, and that was quite important because i, I go okay i'll play xbox i won't come play xbox with you i'm, I'm getting paid for this yeah <laughs> it's a bit similar it's kind of not but it is like you've got to be a certain kind of person to do it similar to like we're saying about the raf and that kind of thing the roles that you've gone down most of the time are quite stressful jobs and demanding where like I say you've got to be a certain type of person. I don't I don't think I could do either. I don't think I could go in the military. I don't think I could work with kids in that space, if you know what I mean. But, well, yeah, I couldn't. There's no way I wouldn't be able to cope emotionally with it, with the kids. It is. It's not for everybody. I really enjoyed it. I know I don't know if it's that kind of adrenaline. I don't know what what the reason is why I've kind of like chose these careers. To be fair, I can't put a pin on it and say it's because of this, this, and this. 
Yeah. I, I don't know, thinking about, probably about it, thinking back on reflection, maybe like my, I spoke about my upbringing and everything like that. I think going into the RAF was wanting to find another family. And then when I came out, going into nursing, helping other families. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess it's spinning into that positive into it that probably helps a lot of people. Yeah. That leads us kind of on, doesn't it, to, I guess, your own challenge with mental health and, you know, excessive drinking and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you spoke to us about, uh, obviously, COVID struck and you was working from home. Your workload was tough. It's probably the best way to put it. And what happened around that point? So at the beginning of lockdown, we all got told to work from home. So I was making, and the, the kids were at home. I was doing my phone calls to all of my my clients over the phone. And I was sat in my bedroom, which is uh, downstairs next to the living room where the girls play. So they were overhearing quite a lot of the conversations that I were having with uh, other young people about yeah. their mental health. They were also concerned because my wife's got Crohn's disease, um, so she was shielding. They were concerned about catching something and giving it to to their mum. That then started affecting me as well. So I would go to the shop, think, oh, God, I'm going to get COVID. I'm going to go take it back. Wife's going to get it. So that started affecting my own mental health. So I started suffering from a lot of anxiety. And we spoke about it at the beginning of this podcast. So there was a point where I went to Morrison's to do our local shop and I had to to rush out in the middle of the shop and I threw up all over the car park because I was just panicking. Um, So that's kind of like where anxiety kind of kicked in. So I'd go out and people would walk past the gate and I'd I'd just have panic attacks or if I had to go to the shop, I'd be sweating. Before that as well, when I started, well, I was in the middle of my... um, my job I started suffering from depression anyway and I think that's because I was just the workload became so much so I was I was getting low moods and I noticed that I was being a bit more grumpy with my wife and and the kids uh, when I came home obviously it's a depression anxiety what did you do to try and combat it well, I I was a bit of a smart ass to be fair, because I thought I'm a mental health nurse. I know um, all these techniques and stuff like that. And I kind of thought I was trying them, but because, uh, and I always say to young people, you need somebody to help you kind of go through these techniques sometimes. You can't just do them on your own. Sometimes it's not, it's not just helpful to download an app or anything like that. You've got to have someone to talk to and help you practice these. But... I was a bit naive and thought, oh, I'll, I'll do them. And I went to the GP eventually and he just didn't kind of give me any positive feedback. He just went, here, I have some medication. Which yeah, that's I, quite a lot, don't you? It makes people, yeah, yeah. Which I know in my job, which is in the NICE guide, uh, guidelines, that's not what they're supposed to do. You're supposed to be offered some kind of talking therapy or other kind of therapy first before you go to medication mm. i think you know the nhs under a lot of pressure in general you know, i think it's it's probably an easier conversation and thing to give someone a a quick it's fix it. you it know is, what i mean yeah. rather than looking for the route 
Absolutely. I think we um, we spoke about this a bit when we had one of the first Zoom calls that we had when um, <clears throat> we were talking about anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff. One of the lads on there was saying about that. And the thing with your doctor and your GP, yeah, go to them, talk to them, you know, and they'll help you and that kind of stuff. But there's only so much that they know about certain things. They, they aren't generally a sort of an expert in anything. It's like a bit of everything for them, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So you went on antidepressants. Did you take them? Did you did you get on with them all right? Um, I did, but I had quite a lot of uh, side effects. So um, I think it was the surgery for the anti um, the antidepressant. I was grinding my teeth quite a lot, and I know that ended, ended up with massive headaches. Mine was grinding my teeth, feeling sick for the first week, two weeks, something like that. And yawning a lot. I think any headaches or a little yawning a lot, which is dead annoying. But they went after a couple of weeks for me. Yeah, but I'm off. I'm off the medication now. I've. I've, I've That's good. Slowly weaned myself off of them because. Well, I've not. I've not been working because of physical health for a couple of weeks. So, just felt a bit more. Bit more better. A bit more relaxed. Really. Obviously, we spoke at the start of this around the uh, the drinking. Do you want to tell us a bit about how the drinking started and how it led to the situation in January? Yeah, so I think from what we've been speaking about already, so you, you know that through the military I went through, uh, we were in a drinking culture, kind of like that. But at the start of lockdown, it was like, like Tim said at the start, You'd sit there in, in the middle of the day and go, oh, I'm on a break. Um, I've got 15 minutes. I'll have a quick drink. Uh, and then that came became a bit of an habit for me. And then, then as soon as I finished work at five o'clock, I'd be like, oh, there's nothing left to do. You know, we can't go out. Uh, I'll have another drink. And it kind of like escalated from there, really. Would you just have a drink or were you getting drunk? I think I was getting drunk to the point where I was at night going to bed quite early, a lot earlier than I would normally. Yeah. And how did that affect you day to day, that? I don't think it really had a massive effect on my day to day because I'd normally just get back up in the morning and, and do my work or at the weekend uh, do some stuff with the kids in the garden if we could. Yeah, yeah, not a massive effect. I think sometimes it caused a bit of arguments between me and my wife at night, but nothing, nothing major. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think we're leading on to why I got banned. Yeah. So there was one day I'd had a drink in the afternoon. Well, I had quite a few drinks in the afternoon uh, during my break. Uh, and I'd been drinking the night before as well. Yeah. Um, my, my wife said to me, oh, do you mind going picking my my youngest daughter up? Which which I did. Came home, carried on doing a bit more work. And then it was a few hours later, the police turned up saying, you've been accused of um, being drunk while you're driving. Yeah. And they breathalyzed me and just said, you're over the limit. And then took me into the police station, arrested me. Hmm. How was um, obviously that's got to be quite a scary situation in general. 
How, how did you feel then? It was the scariest shit of my life. I, I never, ever want to do that again. I remember the next day when I got released, my wife, she said to me, I was going to be really angry at you, but she just saw the tears streaming out my eyes. I mean, I came out yep. of the police, because I wear contact lenses, so I came out of the police station because I'd been crying that night. My contact lenses had come out, so I couldn't see a thing either. Yeah. Um, I had no, like, shoes or anything on. Yeah, it was it was the most horrible night in my life. Yeah, and obviously, you, when we spoke about it initially, you know, you, you said you know it was it was wrong and you but it was kind of the situation you were living at the time wasn't it yeah and what um so obviously you got arrested and banned from driving what what impact did that have on on you it's had a quite a massive impact really? on me actually uh, you know just doing the normal day shopping and stuff like that sometimes we have to get other people to take us me traveling to work so i work for an agency at the moment I'm having to catch two or three buses at a time, getting up yeah. earlier, getting back later. So, yeah, it's been a massive impact. Would you have said at that point that you you got caught that you were you're an addict? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, at the moment, I go to CGL, which is Care Grow Live, which is part of the rehabilitation. So I have to go and see them every month and just talk about, it's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, I guess. Yeah. This is obviously quite a serious live event. It's one, it's obviously it's dangerous and, and you know that it was, it was wrong. But you know, in terms of the after, the after impact, I guess, you know, you've spoke about the, the impact of day-to-day life and how that, you know, you, you do take you know, driving when you when you drive. It's one of those things you can just do, isn't it? But obviously, about it taking away through you know through 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 your own fault. Did it? Did that provoke change at that point in you to say, "Shit, this is a fucking problem"? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it kind of like I, when I spoke to my um, CGL worker, they went, "You know, you can't just cut it out completely and just limit it maybe to." one glass a night and then followed by some water and which we because I wasn't working that much we couldn't really afford to 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 buy alcohol so it kind of just cut it all out completely and then I mean I I won't say completely because we'll maybe have a couple at a weekend but it's definitely not as bad as what it was before I was arrested yeah when you eventually get your life have you lost it for a year is it um yes what will you change from that perspective when you get your when you get your license back with a, with a drink will you still have one and drive or you think you know yeah i just make sure i don't drink before work or i forgot to pick the kids up or anything like that definitely just trying, yeah. to, trying to well trying to cut it out completely actually yeah like the goal is it yeah and is that so that CGL is that is that helping you to plot the path, I guess? Yeah, because what they can do is which we agreed to um last month was to do alcohol screening every time we come. Yeah. That's voluntary, <clears throat> but I I said yeah, definitely. 
What does that involve, the alcohol screening? Well, they'll do a, a blood test and they'll also do the breathalyzer. Oh, okay. Uh, when you get there, so. So they try and keep on top of it then. That's good. Yeah. That is good. That is good. So it's a, it's a tough thing, isn't it? You, you know, your perspective. You've you obviously made a mistake, and everyone everyone makes it's quite. You know, it could have been a a bad mistake. You know, in a sense of what you know when you think about what's what's the worst that that could happen in those scenarios. But you've kind of got to a point where that's. I guess the drinking was almost your way of coping with the the stress of your situation wasn't it absolutely yeah how much were you drinking it went you know at the at the i guess the height of the problem probably two bottles of wine a night yeah yeah that's it that'll do it <laughs> <laughs> if that really i mean I'm, I'm a bit of a lightweight anyway so <laughs> but now you're cutting right back a couple here yeah. and there what, what, if you could, um, if you could go back in time, you know, to before that, you know, if someone else in your shoes, what would you, what would you say to them? Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, so that that is solid advice. Yeah, that is solid that's, advice. Uh, but I guess at points you start thinking rationally, are you? I'm not being funny, but that's pretty much exactly what Aaron said. Weren't it? You know, when you asked that pretty much exact same question you said to Aaron, what would you say? And I think he said something along the lines of, don't be a twat. Yeah. So, yeah, he did. But after, when you're not in that addiction and you're not that addict, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say, fucking hell, that was stupid. But, yeah. you know, when you are addicted, as as said before, and obviously Gav said that he, he was addicted, you're not thinking straight you're not thinking about anything like that you know you're not you're not thinking the repercussions of what could happen if you're just kind of thinking i want to drink i want to bet you know drugs anything like that anything that people are addicted to yeah. it's not quite as simple as someone like like me and you for instance like we we haven't got or had an addiction so it, the understanding of it's a little bit different to somebody who has that makes sense. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's kind of the same as well, because I know some people that have physical health problems. And, I mean, my doctor wants to put me on cocodamol because I've got a trapped nerve in my back. And I'm like, no, I don't want the, the drugs to cover yeah. it up because then I will be taking them all the time and that's what I will then become addicted to. Yeah. Have you got an addictive personality, Gav? Um, no, I don't think so. I guess if uh, it's like I think if you're taking something for pay, it's easy to it's easy to get addicted to, the, to not having pain. I remember I had a shoulder operation and I was taking codeine, and it got to a point. I wouldn't say I was addicted to it, but it got to a point where I was taking it because I, you know, my shoulder might hurt in a bit, so I'll, I'll drop a couple yeah. now. Yeah, and that's with the cocodamol. I mean, I, I've got it on prescription, but I I just don't touch it because I'm like. No, I'll, I'll just work work through the pain. I know it's going to hurt a little bit, but yeah, yeah. So where where have you got to now then? So you are what four months from that event, we'll call it. <laughs> how are you? How are you now? Like in terms of your health, your drinking, life, work, all those kind of things that had an impact in this situation. 
Well, um, I've started working for an agency because I, I quit my job because I thought I can't be done with the, the stress. So I can pick my, my shifts and where I want to work and where I want to work. But physical health-wise, I've just recently found out that I've got trapped nerves in my spine and a tumour in my foot. So, but definitely not drinking. I mean, might have a few at a weekend, but... Not excessive? No. Oh, God, no, definitely not. Obviously, I know you. I can see the difference, and we've seen you, in how you are massively. You know, you're not, you're not looking as as frail as you did. Yeah, a, a lot few of months, a few months ago. You know, yeah. you, you do look, you look stronger physically than you did six, seven months ago. So it does make it makes a massive difference. Just cutting it out because it's it, well, it's poison isn't it really it is, yeah i mean I, I think i lost about three stone actually mm. since lockdown but I, my appetite's back now so eating a bit more yeah probably more than i should <laughs> <laughs> i think that's probably my biggest vice eating little snacky shit all the time <laughs> <laughs> but it's um it's good because obviously you've you've had a you've had a colourful life from being young to your jobs and the military and coming out of the military and then obviously leading to this this situation and understanding that you you know you needed some help and you're taking the, the help that's that's on hand, which is obviously good. That's the that's what we're here to promote really is if you've got a, if, if you've got a problem and it's a problem for you, just, you know first step is to just let somebody know people care people really fucking care yeah you know, definitely you know when you look at the group yeah. and the whatsapp group that we're in people that you don't even know will message you separately if you put something in there to ask if you're okay and and it's all it's all right not to be okay yeah but don't become you know those those frightening statistics that we uh, speak about that, that men are just far less likely to seek support for mental health. Two in five men admit to regularly feeling like worried or low. And, and, and for, your, for your perspective, men are more likely to drink to drink alone as well when things are stressful. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's all these, there's all these things that we just need to try and stop or as a community of people that care you know, try and try and reduce some of the numbers you know, in 2018 roughly one man every two hours died by suicide yeah, yeah. insane numbers insane numbers and that's what we're here to do and that's that's what we're that's what we do these podcasts for this is you know this is not a therapy session for Gav. This is Gav telling you his story in the hope that, you know, someone might pop for the doctor on the back of it or think, do you know what, I am drinking too much. Yeah. You know, I need to get help, but don't get to position that Gav got himself in now with, you know, with the driver and what have you. But there's help out there. There is help out there if if, if people want it, you know, join Bottle Up Blokes as the, the first pin posters. has got some signposts, some people that can help. Your GP. 
it's you know, always a, a really good port call. EAP at work, me and Tim spoke about that. Tim's actually used EAP to, to his benefit. So um, for EAP is employee assistance program that some companies pay for, which support the, their employees really good. My business yeah. is Tim's does. So yeah, you know, don't touch for the loan. So don't suffer alone. Sorry, it's there's a community, and for us men, there's a community out there like us as well. So, Gav, anything you want to kind of sign off with? Any anything you think we've missed, or is 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 relevant to the to either your story or kind of our community of people wanting to support and help each other? I don't think so. I mean, there's. A, a, you Google like let's talk well-being and stuff like that. There's around the local area. If you're struggling as well with your mental health, um, they can signpost you in loads of different directions if needed. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there is a lot of charities out there as well. So if you are struggling, just just have a Google and, and find out what's available in your area. Absolutely. So I've got a couple of bits that I want to do before I sign off. Obviously. Just mention the group again, Bottled Up Blokes on Facebook and Twitter are the main places to get at us. We've got the talking group on a Thursday night at 7.30 at the church hall in South Normanton. Any uh, male is welcome to come down. There's tea, coffee, cans of pop. There's no biscuits. I might bring biscuits this week as well. I think it's all fun <laughs> biscuit. I love an oblong. So come down. The first one, I'll give, um, I'll give these guys a shout out. The first one and a couple of people shout. The first one, someone donated a surprise shirt. And surprise shirts, a, a company that you basically pay a, a fee and they will send you a random football shirt from that could be from anywhere in the world. I got one from Club Atletico Teleras, which are an Argentinian B-League team that I'd never even heard of. Cracking white, red and white shirt. Stunning. Yeah, you know, di- a, di- a different gift idea for someone that you know that enjoys football. I'll be using it again because I f- the whole thing was really exciting, getting it, opening it up, seeing what it was, reading the blurb about the situation. It was uh, it was really good. And then um, Tim, if you want to just shout a couple of the guys out that have been supporting us with a with a room. Yeah, well, it's it's not just that. Like for the first that first meeting. I contacted a company to make us a sign, so a banner so we could put outside. Local company in Derby called OMG Signs. Basically sent a message, sent them a logo, said, this is what I'm after, can you do it? I need it in a couple of days. They banged it out, and uh, when I asked them about how much it was going to be and how to pay it, they said, uh, no, it's free of charge because you're doing it for a good cause. No, Don't worry about payment. So massive thanks to OMG Signs in Little Eaton in Derby banners a meter by a meter so it's not a small thing so i don't know you know it although, I, although I keep missing it <laughs> you do keep missing it. i don't know how it's like right outside the door the entrance to where, where the place is Just so, excited to get there uh, a massive thanks to them and then before the group this week or sorry last week last thursday uh, i was messaging somebody on twitter we we're just having a chat about it and from that message, they donated to cover the funds for the cost of that week's rental of the room that we have to use. So I, I bigged them up on Twitter, the 856 Foundation. They do some cracking stuff they do. They're really supportive. They've been supportive of, of a bloke today as well that we've got in contact with. So, yeah, I bigged them up on Twitter. And from the back of that, we got another two donations for another two weeks covered the cost of the room 
from somebody called Steve Anonymous on Twitter. So big thanks to Steve. It's great that people do that. And then uh, the other people were Mind, Body and Soul. I've promoted a few things that they do on Twitter and on Facebook, on the Facebook group. They do some wicked stuff. Uh, all day long on, on social media, they're, they're churning out things to do with mental health and how they can help you and support and like inspirational quotes. And they send, say somebody's struggling financially, and you'll, you'll see them say, oh, we've just donated 30 quid someone to pay for their gas and electricity to get them through till payday and stuff like that. And there you can buy clothing from them. And that's mind, body and soul and soul spell S-O-L-E. Like obviously like the sole of your feet because they've linked it to Adidas. And honestly, their logo is fantastic. I love it. And I've got one of their T-shirts and they do T-shirts, hoodies and all that kind of stuff. They do amazing stuff, but massive thanks to everyone really who's, you know, donated something or, you know, donated some funds to us to help us because obviously it costs everything that we're doing. You know, it, it costs the room costs, these signs, everything that we do does cost money and any donations that people like these are giving us, it's massive for us. It helps continue doing this kind of thing as well. You know, the, the podcasts and you know, and the group sessions. The group sessions are, are obviously going to be a big thing for us going forward and we'd like to carry on doing it. So massive thanks to them, really. It just shows you how big the community is, how many people want to help, how many places yeah. there is to go for help. Amazingly, like today, really, I, I was talking to you earlier, Ben. I had a, a message from, from somebody on, on Facebook Messenger and he says, oh, I've, I've just seen your group. I've heard about your group. You know, he lived in Nottingham or he lives in Nottingham and he says, look, your group's a little bit too far for me to get to. Do you know of any groups in Nottingham? And like, off the top of my head, no, I didn't know of any groups. So I put it on Twitter and said, like, explain, you know, what it was. And half an hour later, this guy's talking to, to another group, a bloke called yeah. Enlighten the Shadows on Twitter. And he's contacted him and as far as I know, they're meeting up. You know, he's, he's given that level of support, just a random yeah. bloke. Brilliant. Just bloody brilliant. Oh, mate, honestly, I were, I, it got me emotional when the, the guy was messaging me saying, thanks for, you know, people are helping me. You know, and it's just took him having, having the bollocks to go, shit, I'm struggling, I need help. And just reaching out to some random stranger like me. And, you know, like we've said, we're no experts. We, we can't provide the care that everybody needs. But... Just by him coming to me, me putting a message out, he's got some amazing support. Hopefully, he's going to help him. And they're putting a plan together and can hopefully get him through the, the dark times that he's struggling with. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. The support out there is, it is there, it is available. Yes, sometimes it may be difficult with some of the mainstream ones, but there's little groups like us that can do little bits, that can try and help and show you that, People do give a shit. People do care. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, we're just trying to help anyone that, that needs it, whether shoving the right direction or like with this podcast for, for Gav, you know, being able to resonate with a a story of a, you know, a normal dude who's gone through a bit of shit and, you know, has kind of come out the other side after a, an event and, and back working and, and cracking on through a bit of, uh, a bit of normality, eh, Gavin? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Obviously, it's good to hear. It's good. I like listening to people's stories. Obviously, we had Azra on 
talking about his gambling, fantastic. You know, we've got a, a life story here from Gav of you know some pretty significant stuff, you know, a hectic lifestyle, and then uh, working in a really, really stressful environment um, in a really, really stressful time with COVID and everything. It's been tough, but just yeah, just just guys, just get help, get help. It's it's there. You know, make make the phone call, send somebody a message, talk to one of your yeah. mates. You know, don't be, don't be another, don't become another statistic. You know, come and no. come and talk to us. Fantastic! What a what a great episode. Thank you, Gav, for your time. It's been lovely. Listen to your story and uh, thanks, Gav. I enjoyed that. It's good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Loving the uh, Harry Potter pajamas as well. Oh, have you seen it? <laughs> 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 oh, what a way to end.